This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings, welcome, it's Eric Erickson here across the United States. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, glad to have you with me today. Little hiccup to begin the show, but we got it worked out. I got geniuses around me to help me. Now, we're going to talk about the border bill to start the show. I'm going to walk you through what's in the border bill. I'm not going to light my hair on fire over the border bill as many of my friends are doing, not because I think it's a good issue, but because it's dead on arrival in the House. Steve Scalise and uh, Speaker Johnson say it's not going to get a vote. So why are we in a frenzy over a border bill that's not ever going to get passed? But you should know there are some good things in it, there are some bad things in it, and there are some misrepresented things in it too. Before I begin, though, I've, I've got to do something very personal, and it mostly applies to those of you in the Southeast. A friend of mine is a minister. He has been diagnosed with cancer. And it's follicular lymphoma, uh, and it, uh, it now it, it looks like um, he, he's been battling now a, a mild form of leukemia. He needs bone marrow transplant, but here's the thing. He emailed me, and he says, uh, turns out that uh, his, his acute myeloid leukemia is now in remission, uh, there have been troubling developments, though, in the southeast and in the Atlanta area in particular, that they are low on blood donations. So he writes, I'm currently needing two or more units of platelets a day and often a unit of blood. Atlanta Blood Services provides my blood products. They asked uh, that I reach out uh, to encourage people to give blood donations. All blood types are welcome. 
Um, uh, you can contact Atlanta Blood Services and make a plan with them to come to Northside Hospital and give on behalf of Thomas Eddie is his name, or uh, just donate. Uh, Atlanta Blood Services, if you're in the southeast, they could use uh, blood supply. So uh, if you're into blood donations, Atlanta Blood Services in the southeast could use your help. Now, let's talk about uh, the extraction of blood from turnips with this border deal. There's a fundamental misunderstanding between uh, the voters and the Congress over the border. I want to begin with a very short piece of audio from Senator Murphy of Connecticut. Well, here's the problem, David. Um, the president can't do this by himself. The president doesn't have the legal authority without additional legislation to control the border and fix the broken asylum system in the way that needs to be done. Notice the twist here. The president can't control the border and fix the asylum situation. He, Senator Murphy is correct. Without an act of Congress, Joe Biden can't fix the asylum process. But without an act of Congress, Joe Biden can still secure the border. We're playing a three-card Monty system here. Monty came here. And this is what I think the Senate misunderstands what what Washington's establishment misunderstands. The number one issue among voters right now across the board is the border. Joe Biden is blamed by 60 to 65% of Americans for the border situation. There are some Republicans who do not want to deal with the issue because they see it as a political liability for the president. He made this mess, might as well let him roll in it, uh, so we won't secure the border, we'll let the status quo prevail, get Donald Trump elected, and then we'll deal with the problem. There there are Republicans who want to do that. You know, there have for years been Democrats and Republicans alike who never wanted a solution for abortion or for education or for health care or anything else. They just want to let the problem fester and they want to capitalize on it, and, and they're doing the same thing here. On both sides, by the way, do this. It's not one or the other. Uh, the, Donald Trump's been kind of blatant about it. Why do this when the issue is winning? We don't want to solve the problem. But that's not exactly right because there's no guarantee that this solves the problem. But what Washington does not understand is that the president of the United States has the power right now to secure the border. And when he refuses to secure the border, the people of the United States have to wonder, what the heck are you guys doing? You want more power in order to use the power you currently have? There's a blatant mistrust between the people and Washington, D.C. Washington says it wants to govern. It wants to come up with a comprehensive plan, and the people are against comprehensivism. Why? Because they know how many terrible things get slipped into comprehensive plans when they just want the border closed. So if, if the powers that be in Washington broke this apart into pieces, they could probably get the situation resolved. But they don't want to do that. They want to engage in comprehensivism, a little bit for the Democrats, a little bit for the Republicans, a little bit for the liberals, a little bit for the conservatives, a little bit here, a little bit there. People fundamentally don't trust Washington, D.C. anymore. They don't trust the system. They think the system is broken. And Washington has not done anything to re-earn the trust to prove they can pass something comprehensive. 
So you do bits and pieces and, and small piecemeal bits to show people you're actually working. Then you can get other things done. If Senator Langford and the Senate Republicans and the Democrats together were smart, here's what they would do. They would pass a basic plan to secure the border. Republicans would then agree to what are the Democratic priorities, funding Israel, funding Ukraine. Then they would do another piece of it, and Republicans go back and forth, back and forth, and, and see what they can get passed. You, you pass the secure the border, then you try to pass this. If you can't pass that, well, then you give up on everything. But people fundamentally don't trust Washington, D.C. to engage in a comprehensive immigration plan, in large part because this we're not dealing with an immigration problem up front and foremost in people's minds. We're dealing with a national security issue that Democrats don't seem to be concerned about. And more troubling is what do you do with the people who've already come across the border and are floating around in the country? They don't have an answer for that. They don't have a message for that. They, they don't have a response to that. There are some really good things in the legislation, and Republicans and conservatives do have to figure out, do we want to advance and get some of the things we want in a compromise situation where we barely control the House, we don't control the Senate, the president is a Democrat, but we can move the ball forward, we can advance, or do we just refuse to do anything? We can't take a mile, so we're not going to take an inch. Democrats constantly, health care, education, immigration, taxes, you name defense spending. Democrats always take inches. We'll take an inch. We'll take another inch. We'll take another inch. We'll take another inch. We'll take another inch. We'll know. Next thing you know, they've gotten a mile. Republicans are always like, well, I can't take the mile, so screw it. There are inches that the Republicans can take here, but to do so, it's tied to some things they don't want. Like, for example, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is uh, pretty staunchly pro-state anti-immigration. The Ninth Circuit is pretty broadly progressive. Uh, this legislation would move every immigration issue to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is essentially, for all intents and purposes, the mini-Supreme Court, and allow them to deal with the issue. The problem here, though, is that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals leans Democrat, so you may get more Ninth Circuit decisions than Fifth Circuit decisions. But what does the legislation actually do? Everybody's screaming about the legislation. They're claiming like it'll allow 5,000 people a day across the border. That's not actually true. That's not actually true. If you're hearing people tell you the legislation will allow up to 5,000 people a day across the border, that's not actually true. They haven't read the legislation. They've read the talking points. So here's one of the things that would happen under the bill. Right now, someone comes to the border, says they need asylum. They're allowed into this country, they're given a hearing date at a later date, and it can be up to five years. Under this legislation, the Department of Homeland Security would hire more employees and then vet asylum claims at the border and immediately deport people. The act authorizes more training for the Border Patrol, and not only that, it incentivizes hiring retirees to come back into the system. It only allows release from custody if migrants pass a credible fear screening or indicate to the satisfaction of the interviewing officer that their intention is to apply for protection. Right now, only 10% are ever vetted for credible fear. So in other words, every asylum seeker would have to have a credible fear of harm going back to their native country only 10%, only 10% right now are vetted for that. It mandates that all released immigrants have to have their asylum interview within 90 days. 
So right now it can go five to 10 years. If you come into the country, you're assessing asylum, you're claiming asylum, you say you got a credible fear, they believe that you might based on your review, you're allowed out within 90 days, you have to have your hearing and you are immediately deported if your hearing is rejected and importantly, no judicial review. So if Customs and Immigration says, uh, no, you don't qualify, you're, you're gone. Now there's a key exception for Cubans. Now, the bill establishes a goal for the duration of removal proceedings, so you got to have them within 90 days of being notice. It will require a massive appropriation, no judicial review for orders of removal issued under the new procedure. So that would increase deportations and not allow people to go find a liberal judge to keep them in. There's expanded authority to use voluntary departure as a tool to reduce illegal immigration. So some illegal immigration crossers will have the option to go back on their own once they're out of the border or point of entry and uh, then apply for resident uh, alien status if they go back to their own country. There's a voluntary repatriation program, a six-month window allowing illegal immigrants of good moral character to go back to their country of origin without being formally deported. No one arriving illegally by land borders will be allowed into the United States urgent, uh, absent urgent circumstances like a medical emergency. So right now, 100,000 people every month are showing up at the southern border, and almost all of them are allowed in. Under this new plan, uh, no one would be allowed in. you got to go to a port of entry to be processed. You can't just come across the border wherever you want. If you're caught, you'll go back, so they've got to go to ports of entry. The bill doesn't restrict or expand presidential parole authority with regard to the Haitian program or the Cuban refugee program. And then the credible fear standard is raised. So right now, uh, people come in, they say, I, I got a credible fear of being prosecuted when I go back for, for just being who I am. And uh, the standard is significant possibility. If, if you've ever heard like um, the, the, the reasonable doubt standards, things like that, it, they raise it from a significant possibility to a reasonable possibility, which releases or reduces the number of people who can qualify based on preponderance standards. Now, here's where the 5,000 person limit comes in. So one of the things that people are saying about the legislation is that the legislation would allow 5,000 people a day to cross the border. That's not actually true. So here's what it says, actually, in the legislation, that uh, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary may declare an emergency situation of the border if more than, than 4,000 people cross the border in a day may declare an emergency. If it gets to 5,000 people a day, there's no discretion. There is an emergency, and the Home Secretary of Homeland Security will declare it an emergency. If more than 5,000 people in a single day try to cross the border, there's no discretion. He must declare an emergency. And what happens if he declares an emergency? No one gets to apply for asylum. The border shuts down completely. And you're saying, well, that allows some people over. Okay, so this is the way it works. If you come across the border under this legislation, if you come across the border, you get sent back. If you come to a port of entry and they're overwhelmed, then you can be let into the country and you have to be vetted within 90 days. But if 5,000 people show up at one of these ports of entry, the border shut down, nobody gets in, nobody gets asylum. That's the way this works. Now, this sounds reasonable and this sounds progress to improve the situation. 
No one who tries to come across the Texas border would be allowed in. They'd all have to go home. They would have to go to one of the, the checkpoints along the border and go there. They would only have 90 days in the country before they're vetted and either sent back or allowed based on asylum claims. They wouldn't be able to stay. There would be more Border Patrol agents hired. There would be more processors hired. But why not just secure the border? It, it would give a lot of discretion to the Department of Homeland Security, and, and Republicans don't trust Mayorkas. There are problems with the legislation. It's it's actually not a bad start when you actually look into it beyond the hysteria. But why spend so much time getting upset about something that isn't going to pass? It's dead on arrival in the House of Representatives. I've explained it to you. It makes progress in key areas. It puts stuff in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which would be not a good thing, as opposed to the Fifth Circuit. Gives Biden and Mayorkas probably too much discretion. But it does begin rounding people up and throwing them out quicker. But can't we just do one small thing first in Washington, earn some trust back, and that is actually secure the border? You do that, prove you're competent and able to do that, and then maybe we can talk about the rest of this stuff. But why talk about the rest of this stuff until you're actually willing to secure the border? Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Here's the bottom line on this legislation in Washington, D.C., and, and this is from Bill Malugan at Fox News. The... Legislation at this point, instead of allowing everyone in when the border is overwhelmed, would remove everyone. So the border has seen at least 5,000 encounters almost every single day under the last couple of years. If the bill were signed into law, the border would be shut down the first day it takes effect. Um, no one would be allowed asylum. No one would be allowed in. Uh, anyone who came across illegally outside of border checkpoints would be rounded up and removed if they could be caught. Um, this bill is making everybody unhappy because people on the right think it doesn't go far enough. People on the left thinks it goes too far. Um, this is what governance looks like in Washington, D.C. right now when you've got a, a slim majority in the House, no majority in the Senate, a Democrat-controlled president. Uh, you want to do something. The Democrats are demanding something. Um, this is the nature of the beast. Uh, I wouldn't punish people for attempting to come up with a plan, but I'm not sure it's the right plan. It does some good stuff, but it does some stuff I don't think is very wise, like using the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, uh, you know, if you took a, a class from Hillsdale College about the Constitution, you would understand that it's a messy process in Washington, D.C. By design, uh, the inability to get something done is actually a feature, not a bug. Gridlock is a feature, not a bug. And is you, you find out these wonderful things about the constitutional system, how the founders trusted the people. And not really the powerful. He learned these things through their Constitution minutes that you hear during ad breaks in the show. And you can go to ericforhillsdale.com today and you can listen to those Constitution minutes. You can even get a free pocket Constitution from Hillsdale College. They educate you about what's really in the Constitution. Uh, not the stuff that the left desires to be in the Constitution, but the good stuff that's actually there. Uh, the, the, how the country is actually in, intended to operate from a constitutional perspective. You can share those Constitution minutes with your friends and maybe give them a pocket Constitution as well. EricForHillsdale.com, E-R-I-C-K, EricForHillsdale.com. Learn the truth of what's in the Constitution and how the nation's supposed to operate from the people at Hillsdale College. Greetings, welcome. I, I, I'm I'm sorry for not being the hysteric in the room over over the border deal. Everybody else is hysterical about it, and it only came out, and it's 
thousands of pages and and I hadn't read all of it and so I'm I'm relying on those who have and and I just don't understand why any of us need to light our hair on fire over something the Speaker of the House has said isn't even going to get a vote in the House of Representatives. You should at least understand what's in the deal, but it's not going to pass. Dead on arrival. Now, let me uh, so um, let, let me read to you this summation. This is from Bill Malugan. Y'all know Bill. Bill's the Fox News um, guy who goes to the border and documents what nobody else in the media wants to see. Here is his uh, highlights for the border bill. So there would be no amnesty, no legalization of anyone already in the United States illegally. Uh, ICE detention capacity funding would be increased to cover 50,000 from the current 34,000. At seven-day rolling average of 5,000 encounters per day or 8,500 encounters in a single day, Department of Homeland Security is required to shut the border down and turn away anyone who crosses. No new asylum claims will be allowed and anybody crossing will be removed. Within the whole idea of I made it to U.S. soil, you have to process me. That would be over. Border Patrol would not process anyone who illegally crosses over. They would be removed. No asylum claims would be permitted uh, unless made at a port of entry. This doesn't mean that 5,000 are allowed in before the authority kicks in. Single adults would be detained. Families would be released via alternatives to detention. Asylum cases would be fast-tracked to months rather than years under a new rapid expedited expulsion system. Those who fail would be quickly removed. Those who initially pass would be released with work authorization and 90-day supervision until a final asylum claim can be determined within months, not years. Also, notably, I'll add this to what Bill's saying here, uh, that uh, if you come in claiming to be a family, you'll be DNA tested to make sure you are a family. The shutdown authority doesn't drop until the crossings decrease significantly in days following a shutdown. Significantly tougher asylum requirements, a higher credible fear standard that includes three bars to eligibility. If you have criminal history, you can't come in. If you can be resettled in another country that is on the way to the United States, you can't come in. Could you be resettled somewhere in your own country? If so, you can't come in. Just saying you're scared to return home will be no longer allow, will be no longer eligible for entry. It appears the legislation would move asylum claims away from immigration judges. They'd be handled directly by Customs Immigration Service. That's actually true. $1.4 billion in FEMA funding would be available for disbursement to non-governmental organizations and municipalities, but some of that money doesn't unlock until key border security metrics are hit, with uh, ICE having enough detention facilities and beds, uh, enough employees hired by the Border Patrol, and at least uh, 1,500 deportation flights have occurred. It ends the use of parole release via the Customs and Border Patrol app. It ends parole for illegal crossers between ports of entry. In other words, so, you know, there are are, um, checkpoints along the U.S. border at El Paso and in McAllen, Texas, and at San Diego and the like. You have to come there. If you cross the border at an area that's not one of those places, you're sent back immediately. It keeps humanitarian parole as it was originally intended for medical procedures and court cases and keeps the current parole program in place for Cubans, Haitians, Venezuelans, and Nicaraguans. 50,000 new visas would be issued over five years. There'd be funding to hire hundreds more ICE deportation officers, Border Patrol officers, uh, Immigration Service asylum officers, and increase the number of deportation flights. No unaccompanied minors would be removed. Some of these minors will receive attorneys, 
It ends catch and release, but not all families and unaccompanied minors would not be detained, uh, but they would be processed and families DNA tested. The Department of Homeland Security will have 90 days to set up the new system. There's a provision in the bill that would allow the president to suspend the shutdown authority. It says, quote, authorizes the president to suspend the border emergency on an emergency basis for up to 45 days if it's in the national interest. The context for this, the border has seen at least 5,000 encounters every single day in the past couple of years under Biden. If the bill signed into law, the border would have to be shut down on the first day it takes effect, and there'd be no discretion from the president of the Department of Homeland Security to not shut it down. Fox is told by the architects of the legislation that status quo right now is when the border is overwhelmed, everyone's released. Under the new bill, when the border is overwhelmed, everyone will be deported. The legislation has provisions in it that will upset border hawks and immigration activists at the same time. Now we wait to see how both Democrats and Republicans respond. As it appears to be dead on arrival in the House of Representatives, there's no point in considering it further. Speaker Johnson has tweeted this out. I've seen enough. The bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe the president has created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed, quote, under this legislation, the border is never closed. If this bill reaches the House, it'll be dead on arrival. I don't know how I became the reasonable man. I honestly, if you know my history online, I don't I don't know how I became the reasonable man. Um let me say a couple of things here. This is dead on arrival in the house. So there's no need to be worked up about it or enraged. It's it's not going anywhere. Superficially, upon review, the legislation is reasonable. But I, I, I gotta tell you, this is just this is my perspective. And let me let me say in, in out of the gate here. I want to attack any of the Republicans who put in a lot of time negotiating this package. They mean to govern. They were elected to do a job. They want to do a job. They don't control the Senate. They don't control the White House. They wanted something to pass that they believe meaningfully would help secure the border. And this legislation would do make meaningful improvements, including uh, people who come across the border outside of checkpoints would be immediately deported. And if too many people show up at one time, they're all sent away. That that's that is reasonable. You've got to objectively agree that's reasonable. Families would be DNA tested, so you can't bring a bunch of kids and claim to be family. You'd have to get a DNA test. That that's reasonable. They would take the asylum hearings out of the hands of immigration judges and give it to border patrol. That that's reasonable. There are reasonable things in the legislation. But there's no trust. There's no trust, and Congress hasn't earned the trust to do anything comprehensive about anything right now. And that's the problem, and that's the disconnect in Washington, D.C. There's just no trust. The legislation sounds reasonable in many ways. There are certainly things I object to, uh, using the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, among other things, giving lots of discretion to the President and the Secretary of Homeland Security. Biden and Mayorkas haven't earned the trust to give them that discretion. And that's the problem. To say that Joe Biden doesn't have the power to secure the border when he does, why can we believe their implementation of this legislation? I don't believe 
that there is this grand conspiracy to incentivize and, and flood immigrants here. But I believe, regardless of no grand conspiracy, that's what's happened by the Biden administration rhetoric, by the willingness to be lax, by their inability to even attempt to secure the border. I just, I, I, I don't trust the Biden administration when Joe Biden, as the commander-in-chief of the American military, has the power immediately to shut down the border, to secure it, and he's not doing it, why would I trust him with any sort of discretion given in this legislation? He hasn't earned the trust. He hasn't earned the trust. There's legislation, there, there's a provision of the legislation that the president could waive this if, if there's an emergency and it's in national security interest to waive it, uh, to, to waive the, the, this legislation, to waive um, the requirements on a closed border, how can we trust? I mean, this is a president who decided to do student loan bailouts despite not having the authority. This is a president who tried to demand we all stay in masks on airplanes and everywhere else in America, uh, given his discretion. How can we trust that he wouldn't decide to constantly waive the legislation and say oh, it's in national security interest to not in, in enforce or implement this. How, how can we trust him? He hasn't earned the trust. And that's the problem here for the governance. Look, I get the idea there is a problem. We all recognize the problem. And uh, these guys in the Senate on the Republican side put a lot of time and effort into solving the problem. But they don't seem to recognize or understand that none of us on our side trust the other side. The other side doesn't trust us. And no one's trying to earn the trust. That's my problem with the legislation is you, you allow the Fifth Circuit, not the D.C. Circuit. Well, that's a start. You do not give the president the discretion to waive the legislation because of some emergency that incentivizes a mass wave of people coming across the board. I, I mean, how would that come about? That that's, that's part of the problem here. They haven't earned the trust. There's a lot to like about the legislation. It, it There actually is a lot to like about the legislation. And many of the people, even the people who are emailing me objections to the legislation, they're actually emailing me objections to the legislation that uh, their objections aren't contemplated in the legislation. They've gotten it from somewhere, and it's simply not true. There's a lot of dishonesty out there trying to kill the legislation. But there are also a lot of reasonable points about killing the legislation as well. And the reasonable points about killing the legislation are simply this. Washington, the bureaucrats, the legislators, and the executive have not earned our trust to give them these comprehensive powers to revise the situation of the border when they won't even begin with the powers they currently have enforce and secure the border right now. Why does Washington need more legislation to shut down the border? Why does the president need additional power to send the military to shut down the border? They don't have good answers to those questions. And the Democrats say, well, the president can't secure the border and deal with the asylum issue. Okay, he can't secure the border and deal with the asylum issue. Let's, that's two separate things. He can secure the border, but yes, Congress has a screwed up asylum law. This legislation would absolutely fix the asylum law. But secure the border first. Secure the border first. Texas is securing the border. 
Texas is doing it. And what is Joe Biden and the, and, and the federal government doing? They're trying to interfere with Texas's ability to secure the border. Prove to us, Mr. President, and members of the Senate who want to pass this, that you will use the power you currently have and secure the border of the United States of America to ensure our territorial sovereignty. If you showed some gumption to do that, you might get more people willing to play ball with you. I, I, I'm just, I look at the legislation and I see a lot of reasonable provisions that I think any conservative could support. But those reasonable provisions have to be built on a foundation of competence and trust. And I haven't seen the competence and I haven't seen the trust. And why are we going to grant more power and more discretion over the border when they're right now with a straight face telling us, well, the president can't secure the border? Yes, he can. He's the commander-in-chief of the United States military. We have an invasion along the southern border. And if you don't think it's an invasion and you look at January 6th and say that's an insurrection, you're screwed up in your worldview. So secure the border right now, Mr. President. You have that power. Stop interfering with Texas's ability to secure the border. Show some responsible willingness to secure the border, and then we can talk. But to hold the border hostage and, and have this mass wave of people and say, well, you give me this legislation, then I'll do what I already have the power to do, that, that, that's not a start. That's a hostage situation. And we're not going to play the game. It's dead on arrival in the House, not because the legislation doesn't have good stuff in it. It's because the Democrats have shown, shown no interest in actually taking the border seriously. And right now, all they want to do is they see polling that suggests that it's hurting them, and they want to have some public spectacle. But you know what the public spectacle that could re-earn the trust and fix your polling? Secure the border now with the power you have, which you're not willing to do, so why should we give you any more power? I, 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 that's my take. That That's my take. Lots of reasonable stuff in this legislation. It gives conservatives uh, multiple uh, inches of progress. But the Democrats, they don't seem to actually want to do anything with the power they have right now. So give them more power. And how can we trust they're going to use that power when they've got power right now they're not using? Now, you got power you got to deal with in your computers. Sometimes you need a stronger computer and more power. Sometimes you need uh, the powers that be to fix your computers and you're getting a hard time. Use vision computers because they will take care of your computer. They will fix your computers. They'll build your computers. They'll save you money. They'll be your in-house IT department. It's it's fantastic. Visioncomputers.com or 404 Compute. We've got one of their computers in our house and it is really fantastic. Um, my son, it's a gaming PC. We spec'd it out with vision. They built it. They made the case so it's upgradable over time as his needs change. We don't have to keep getting a new computer. We can swap parts out over time as newer stuff comes on market. It, it really is fantastic. Saved his money, saved his time, and then they're his service department. He, he calls them. If he's got a question, uh, we're a Mac house, and he's got a PC now. And, and instead of asking me how to fix it, he calls Vision. They helped him with his email. They helped him with his printer. They helped him with his monitor. They do all that, and they can do it for you and your office as well. You buy your computers for a Vision computer for your home or your office. Vision becomes your in-house IT department. They give you a special phone number to call, and you can get the answers to your questions. Vision computers or 404 Compute. If you call them at 404 Compute anywhere in the nation, call them at 404 Compute. Tell them I sent you. They'll give you an even better deal. Visioncomputers.com or 404 Compute. Hello. 
welcome. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, phone lines are open. If you got questions about the legislation, I, I'm happy to talk to you about them, but I, I'm going to move on. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Uh, if you are a business and you're buying a business or you're building a building, deals like that, you need $250,000 or more, reach out to them. Any one of you in the nation for your business, firstlibertyga.com is the website, firstlibertyga.com. Well, it finally happened. We have arrived. We have arrived at that sad time of year where on Sunday nights when the guys come over and sit on my front porch, there was no football to watch. There was actually literally no sporting event to watch last night. And we sure weren't going to watch the Grammys. I, I don't know why Killer Mike got arrested. I have no idea. Uh, I, I, people started texting me, hey, you know Killer Mike, he got arrested at the Grammys. All the way in handcuffs. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. But he's a good dude. Um, so, so I don't know what happened. But I didn't have anything to watch on TV last night. Yeah, there is this. There is something called basketball. Um, I would rather watch soccer than watch basketball, and I didn't want to watch soccer. So we watched last uh, night before last UFC match because um, only one of us had stayed up and seen the whole thing. So we got to watch it all fresh again. And I guess that was our sporting. What a sad, depressing time of year when football goes away. We'll have the Super Bowl next week, and then nothing, nothing. Baseball season will start, and that will just make us long for college football more. Uh, I guess we'll have hockey until sometime like well past the time that the ice is unfrozen. But man, what a what a time of year! You bring people over to sit on the porch to watch sports, and you're left watching repeats of prior fights because football has gone away. I guess they're going to bring back that XFL, what is it, United Football, whatever. They've merged the Rocks. Sporting League. We'll watch bad football in the spring and we'll like it because it'll at least be something worth watching. But I'm beginning to already miss college football in the NFL. At least we'll have the Super Bowl and we'll just watch that on repeat until colleges go back into session and the transfer portal has screwed it all up. It's very depressing. When we come back, we'll move on to the biggest story nobody's talking about that we should be talking about. 